there is only one true way to be enlightened and entertained with the best sports knowledge. That way is the American way. Welcome to the American Way podcast. Here's your host, Amir. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, welcome in. Assalamu alaikum and welcome again to our uh, latest episode uh, here today with my main man, Brendan Hedke of Canis uh, Shupis. He has his new podcast uh, on the Believe uh, the Believe Podcast Network, uh, All Things Timberwolves. Got a lot a lot going on in the in the NBA. Craziest week ever the, with the Wolves specifically. Have the uh, luck be a lady next Tuesday night. Uh, so let's chat about that. Brendan, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing awesome, Amir. Thanks for having me on, man. And yeah, it has been a crazy just past like 36 hours across the NBA. So it's been wild. But it's fun to take it in and sit back and realize that the Timberwolves are not part of any of the chaos that's going on. Absolutely. And to get cut in really quick, it's like everyone was criti- everyone in the national media was criticizing the move to pluck uh to pluck Chris Finch when when Gerson did, but you look at it, it's like it was a brilliant move. There's no way he would have if if Gerson would not have made that move when he did. There's no way he lasts. I guarantee a team like Orlando or a team like Indiana that has an opening, maybe even a Dallas, that they would have plucked him right away. Yeah, um, I could push back a little bit on that, I guess, and say if the Wolves job was open just because of the connection of Rosas and Finch, maybe he still would have come. Uh, but there's definitely greener pastures elsewhere. Like, Boston has, like, a legit superstar in Jason Tatum, um, who I would say is probably a little bit better than Cat. And then you got Jalen Brown, who is also, you know, getting up there as well. And then Portland with Damian Lillard. Like, he, have, he would have had some options. I don't think the Wolves would have totally been out just because of the um, – connection that Rosas and Finch have over the course of their their careers but yeah it definitely would have been harder to get him but snagging him in the middle of the season I think was the right move the process was kind of weird um it was kind of you know maybe it didn't look the best when it all happened everything went down especially with Vanderpool being here but at the end of the day um I don't think you could be happier with how it turned out because uh, you got your guy and nobody else can try and take him away now and there's a lot of openings out there it was brilliant timing, and it, it it's 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 what's interesting, and I I love him as a player, I love him as a person, but it's interesting that the comments that Dan made at the time of the hiring, and you hear he he wanted Jason Kidd as his coach or Chauncey's coach, so it's like it's it's interesting you would throw stones, and then when your team has an opening, you don't it you don't advocate for your guys. It's it it's odd, but yeah, there's I don't I don't think there's I think there's only one team. Of the seven, that's probably undesirable. Probably Orlando. Well, it depends. If you're a new, up-and-coming coach, maybe you'd want the Orlando job. But I would think that all the other jobs has uh, attra- attractiveness. And I guarantee you, that, uh, by tomorrow morning, there will be another head coaching change. Yeah, I think Orlando, like you said, I think if you're 
you're not in the, you're not an established coach that's probably going to want to try and turn things in you know around in Orlando but if you are a younger coach you know, like Steven Silas this year in Houston um, and that kind of went shady because James Harden left and things like that but if you're like a brand new coach trying to get a gig like maybe David Vanderpool or Becky Hammond or someone like that where you're trying to like really build up your reputation as a head coach um, and a developmental coach I think Orlando would be a spot for someone like that but Terry Stotts isn't going to go to Orlando um, Rick Carlisle is not looking to go to Orlando so those guys definitely that's like the least attractive I would say but even in the right situation I think they're all attractive I mean there's only 30 head coaches in the world you know like every single one of them is an attractive job um, because there's, it's such an exclusive group so um, it's going to get filled and it's probably going to get filled by a quality coach just because there's so many coaches out there that deserve a shot. So, um, but I get what you're saying for sure. Absolutely, and you, don't forget about Milwaukee. I think I think if Brooklyn wins tonight, I think um, Bud doesn't, doesn't. I don't think Bud lasts in the 24 hours. I think, I think he and after last night, I wonder about Doc. I mean, he just it always seems to happen with Doc. You know, like he's a great coach. He's in my mind, he's a top five coach in the league, along with Carlisle, along with Spo and Pop, but. These things keep happening, so I wonder. I think depending on how those uh, game sixes shake out, you could have potentially nine, maybe ten co- coach openings. And the interesting thing is, I think only two of those teams you would sit and stay are non-playoff teams heading into next year. I really do. So it's yeah. very fascinating. Yeah, and like your point on Bud, I think Bud could be out the door if they lose. Um... And I think Bud's a good coach, too, so maybe he's probably going to get one of those other coaching um, gigs around the league, too. But I think uh, with Rick Carlisle just, you know, basically quitting um, from the Dallas Mavericks, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Bud is fired, if, Har- if Carlisle's hired pretty quickly by the Bucks. Other than that, I could see Carlisle going somewhere like Boston or Portland to coach another, you know, superstar. He's pretty much always had superstars. He went from Dirk to Luka. Um, so I think getting someone like Damian Lillard or Jason Tatum would be cool for him. But if the Bucks job is open, I wouldn't be surprised if the Bucks want him, and I wouldn't be surprised if he wants the Bucks. So that's definitely an interesting uh, fit there. But I do think, yeah, if they don't, if the Bucks don't win tonight, I think Boonholder's fired by morning. Yeah, and I I don't know about Philly. Like I know, and now, but again, we said with New Orleans, like I, that was the one that struck me out of left field with with Stan because I love Stan, but after one year he's gone. So you would normally you would say a coach should get more than one year, but you have two of these coaches getting fired after one year. So just after last night, and I would I'm still I'm still stunned about that game last night, but I'm curious now if they if they don't uh, if they if this series don't go doesn't go back to Philly. I wonder if Doc gets the can, too. Yeah. I would be rather surprised if Doc Rivers gets fired. Not that I think he's been the perfect coach for them, but I think a lot of it's come down to roster construction, which Doc hasn't had you know, any say about. Um, and some of the star players on the team just didn't perform last night and really shot themselves in the foot. Um, so I think I would be surprised if Doc is out. I think they'll try and give Doc a, you know, maybe trade Ben Simmons for something and try and you know, give him more time than that because he is an established head coach. He has a good reputation um, around the league. He's not perfect by any means, but I think, you know, if they can trade Ben Simmons, somehow bring in 
Um, somebody who spaces the floor a little bit better, shoots better, things like that. I'd be surprised if they just said, you know, Doc's out and then try to get another coach to work with Ben and Joel. I just don't think that pairing's going to work. I said that before the season, and then they played really good in the playoffs. I actually picked them to win the championship, and uh, or they played really good in the regular season. I picked them to win the championship, and then in the playoffs, they just um, haven't been up to what I thought they would be. So Exactly, and moving on towards the Timberwolves, Timberwolves specifically, I noticed you were sending, uh, sending some tweets uh, last night during the game, uh, and I know you've said it throughout the season. You've been uh, clamoring for the Wolves to, t- to try and uh, poach uh, Ben Simmons. Convince me on that, because I, lo- I like Simmons as a player, but just cons- for me, just based on what this team would look for, like he doesn't shoot well, obviously it's, it's well chronicled. So I'm, j- I'm just curious for you to convince me why Ben, other than him being so close to Cat and D'Lo, why Ben Simmons should be, would be a good fit with, for the Wolves. Yeah, so I think the the thing is with the Timberwolves, like, they have their star player and then their budding star rookie going to a second-year guy to where Ben Simmons doesn't have to be your second guy. You know, like, in Philly, it's, it's Joel, then Ben, and then Tobias, where in Minnesota, maybe Ben will be your second-best player because of what he can do on the defensive side of the ball, but offensively, he's probably your fourth or fifth you know, your fourth option with that starting group if you're able to keep D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Edwards, and Cat and bring in Ben Simmons. I don't know what a trade would look like. I think it's an interesting one to try and work out a three-team trade where Philly gets... Because Philly's not going to want rebuilding pieces. They're not going to want draft picks. They might want a couple draft picks or something, but they might try and shoot more and try and get, like, Bradley Beal. Well, the Wizards aren't going to want Ben Simmons when they have Russell Westbrook because that pairing's not going to work. So the Timberwolves could get involved... The situation where, you know, like Bradley Beal ends up going to Philly, um, Ben Simmons ends up going to Minnesota, and then Washington really just full rebuild after that, get some draft picks from Minnesota. They probably also get a pick or something from Philly just because Beal's an upgrade over, over Simmons, um, and then just get a couple young pieces, maybe like Beasley and an expiring contract and Rubio, things like that. So I think that's like a basic framework. But specifically for the fit on the Timberwolves, which was more so your question. Um, so I think when you think of Ben Simmons, if you ran out a lineup of, of D'Lo, who is 6'5 for point guard, so he's got good size, and he's got like a 6'10 wingspan, 6'10, 6'11 wingspan. Anthony Edwards at the two with the 6'10, 6'11 wingspan. Jada McDaniels, who's got about a 7-foot wingspan at the three. Ben Simmons, who is 6'10, I think his wingspan's about seven foot and then cat at the at the five uh defensively i think you're sitting pretty good because Jaden's a heck of a defender ben simmons in my opinion is the best defender in the league um just because of what he can do versatility wise and things like that and then cat um cat is actually i think an above average defender especially when you surround him with better defenders which you would be doing there and then i think ant and d'lo can mess around in passing lanes enough to kind of do something so defensively I think it's a great fit I love the idea of Jaden McDaniels and Ben Simmons next to each other um I would really hate to to include Jaden McDaniels in a trade for Ben Simmons um but offensively that's the real question mark because Ben Simmons is a limited offensive player because he doesn't shoot jump shots um but I think his style of play 
coupled with Carl Anthony Towns style of play and Velo style of play works better than uh, Joel Embiid's does because Cat's a better passer than Embiid. Cat spaces the floor better than Embiid. You can kind of almost run Ben as the center. Let him do more of the posting up. Um, you don't have to really make him the playmaker in the in the offense in the half court. He'll be your your uh, fast break playmaker, and then D'Lo and Cat will be your half court playmakers. I think Ben is a good cutter. I think he would cut really well off of Cat because Cat works so well from that from the nail and from the high post area and from outside the arc. Um, and I think you need good cutters around him. And then D'Lo's a fantastic passer in the half court and in the full court, but in the half court specifically to hit hit cutters like. Ben Simmons so I don't think it's a perfect fit obviously you want the guy next to Cat to be able to shoot a three you always want everybody to be able to shoot threes it just makes life so much easier um, but I think there's just more spacing on the Wolves when you talk about Cat being a 40% three point shooter on high volume D'Lo being like 37-38% three point shooter then you'd have Jaden who shot like I think 35 or 36% this year but he's probably going to improve and then Ant, his percentage wasn't great the first half of the season, but after the All-Star break, he was phenomenal from three um, on high volume. Obviously, he's not shooting 40% at high volume, but he was shooting like 35% on like eight or nine threes a game. So there'd be a lot more spacing around around Ben um, on the Timberwolves too. So I, I love the fit. I think it's great. Jack Borman wrote a piece last summer about the fit, um, and that's something that if this is a potential reality i think people should go ahead and, and read that piece on gain supus but that's my fit i don't know if i convinced you of his fit in minnesota but um that's that's where i'm coming from but i do get the question marks it's not a perfect fit so i understand why people might um kind of push back on it but he is a really good player you know he's been an all-star he's been on a number one seed um and i think that you can hide some of his flaws better in minnesota than you could in philly yeah, I think so. I I love him as a player overall. I'm I worry about his offense. Like I said, his but his de- it's he's just so fascinating a player because his defense is like he finished he finished second in defensive player of the year. You can argue he, he I don't know like I love Rudy, but I think it's arguable depending on the day of the week that Ben could be the best pound for pound with the amount of space that he the amount of space that he takes up uh, on the courts the best defensive player in the league on any given day but his offense is he struggles so mightily so i agree with you i think with ha- having as long as you can keep cats and make an ant without without trading them and i don't know i don't know number one if philly's going to want to trade him or i don't know how that's going to work uh, i think i like your beal scenario so it depends on what the Wolves would give up. But I do like it. I think defensively, I love him. I think he just needs to be around great shooters. And I think that's that's what the Wolves would need. It, it'll be very interesting to see, however, what if Philly does overreact and, and pounce now or if they wait another year. and it's, It'll be interesting to see. Yeah, and I think Ben is... His value is kind of weird to figure out right now because of how poorly he played in the playoffs. Um, his value definitely has gone down because of that. But so I think that might the Wolves might have a chance to kind of sneak in there and try and do something. But other teams will want him too. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see if if how Philly reacts to if they lose the series because everybody's talking like they they lost the series already. It's three two. They could go out and win the next two and and go into the finals. But um, you're still probably not happy with 
going to seven games with Atlanta. So you're probably still looking to make a change after this season regardless. So it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. It will. I think I think a more realistic option, moving on, I think um, I think it's not realistic. I think there are probably more realistic options. Like if, if Moving into the offseason, I... I let's assuming that the Wolves lose out on Tuesday night and Golden State gets the pick, I can see there's two tiers of trade options because I feel like Cat to me would be best utilized. I, I, you can jump in if uh, if I'm wrong if if what you think is uh, opposite, but I think Cat would be best utilized defending the fours because you are who you can guard. So I think if you the goal for this off season for Gerson and the and Sasha, Sasha and Gunta and the staff should be to move, find a way to bring in a, a big man that can move Cat to the four. And I think a, a sneaky option is another player in that very same series we just referenced. I think John Collins is an option. I, I don't know exactly. I think maybe Beasley and another contract you'd have to fit in in a sign-in trade. But I really am starting to wonder if Atlanta is going to match that contract. Because I feel like John Collins is an option. I think there are a couple other options here. Miles Turner, obviously everyone's talking about Miles Turner as an option with his his ability to switch and uh, his his rim protection. I think Al Horford's a sneaky option. But I I think I think Ben is more in realist in all realistic terms. I'm I question if a guy, if ben, if Simmons is available, but I do think Collins is a name that the Wolves fans should be watching heading into August. Yeah. So with Collins, I think Collins is more suited to play the four defensively than the five. So I think that um, have, makes Cat be your five. But I think one thing that's really important to notice or to note is that um, even if Cat, I think Cat can guard fives just as good as he can guard guard fours. But the problem is he needs some backside help. He's never had backside help from a from a power forward. And I think John Collins is a really really impressive. Um, weak side rim defender so um you see it right now Clint Capella is a heck of a defender but Clint Capella looks better because John Collins is playing next to him defensively covering his backside which allows Clint to be more aggressive in pick and roll coverage and things like that so I think that um overall uh it doesn't really to me I think you just need a someone who's good at something defensively that's not just like perimeter defense like Jared Vanderbilt's a really good perimeter defender in a power forward's body. He's not like a weak side shot blocker or rim protector. Um, John Collins is that, so I think you could get a four like that that could fit in and Cat can still play the five. Or you can go out and like Miles Turner. Miles Turner could be your rim protector at the five and then Cat could play the four and I'd be cool with that either. Uh, or cool with that also. Both of those scenarios are things that I think would benefit the Timberwolves, obviously. Um, the scenario with John Collins is interesting because we don't know exactly how much he'll get paid this summer. If the Hawks will match it, what type of compensation they would want in a, want in a sign-in trade. Because the Timberwolves won't be able to go out and sign him. They don't have the money to do that. But it will be interesting to see what they get overall. But if the Hawks make the conference finals, maybe they do match it and bring him back because this is like a solid team that's not too far away from like a, a finals bid. So... I don't know, it's interesting. I think it is very, um, po- I think it's, I think it's likely that Timberwolves bring in someone to play next to Cat. Well, absolutely. But I don't know what tier of player that's going to be. 
Yeah, because there are because there are a lot of options that people aren't necessarily thinking of. I mean, I know Turner's name most Turner and Collins are the names both brought up. I think two names, but I think two other names that should be brought up. Uh, people can la- insert laughter where they can. I think Al Horford is an interesting name to go watch, and I think Stephen Adams is an interesting team to watch for similar reasons that they're in teams, they're in situations that didn't really don't really fit them, and I feel like if they're in a better situation, it would help. I think Horford absolutely because Horford, even though even at his age, he brings a lot of things that the Wolves could badly use, and he already has the uh, built uh, chemistry with Cat. And I think the reason why he struggled in Philly is uh, next next to Embiid was they played Al Al at the four. They they wanted Al to be the power forward and and pick and pop. Whereas in this in this scenario, I'm envisioning, uh, and it would probably take it wouldn't even take that much to be honest with you. It probably Rubio and Culver, and you'd probably get you could probably convince Oklahoma City to me seems like a prime destination for Jared Culver to rebuild to rebuild his uh, career. And I feel like you could find a third team needing a point guard to take on uh, Ricky's contract. And I feel like a guy like Al Horford could fit. Then, like I said, Adams, I mean, New Orleans, obviously, as we've seen the last 48 hours, all of the upheaval in New Orleans. And Adams just never really made sense to me with Jackson Hayes and you have Zion there. So it seems like, but I wonder what Adams will be like next to Cat. Uh... I'm sure there's a lot of other names we can discuss, but like, are there any other under the radar names that you're keeping an eye on that like the local media or national media aren't really keeping an eye on for the Wolves? Uh, so I'll touch on the two you mentioned. Al Horford's a guy that I talked to Dane more about on his podcast last week. Um, and the thing that sucks with Horford is one, he's old, and two, his contract is massive. But um, I don't think his price tag's gonna be a lot to go out and get him. But you just have to be willing to pay him if you do get Horford for he's got two years left in his contract and I think it's about 30 20, 57 years 55 million and in the yeah, ideal like 27 and 28 and 27 or something like that a year and the second year is partially guaranteed for like 14 and a half million so you'd have to be okay with at least paying him for one year and then after the first year you could uh, if it didn't work out if it worked out you could just have to be okay with paying him the second year if it didn't work out, you could waive and stretch him, and you'd only have to pay about $5 million over three seasons for his contract, because as a waive and stretch works, you waive a player's contract, they're guaranteed money. Um, so Al Horford's is $14.5 million. So basically, however many years are left, so he has one. Um, so it's double the years left plus one. So he has one year, he'd have one year left after next season. So you'd get two years for doubling it, add one on, so it's three years to pay that off. Um, divided evenly, so 14.5 um, divided by 3 is just under $5 million. So I think that's one route you could go if it didn't work out. If it did work out, you'd have to look at paying him the money. I like the fit. I really like the fit. Obviously, Al doesn't fit the timeline, but I'm not someone that thinks everybody needs to fit the timeline. If someone's going to be a good player, I don't care how old they are. Um, but the trouble with getting him is you have to find somewhere for – you have to find the way to make up the money, and if Rubio is the way to make up the money, you have to find a, a third team because Ricky Rubio legally cannot be traded back to Oklahoma City because technically he was traded from OKC to Minnesota on draft night, and you can't trade a player back to the team they just came from. 
So you'd have to find a third team to take on Rubio. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how that all works out. But I don't think the price tag is like huge on Al Horford. Um, Steven Adams, I'm not so much interested on um, because he doesn't leave the post. And I think Cat needs some space to operate. Like Ben Simmons doesn't score outside of the post, but Ben Simmons is a driving threat. Steven Adams is a post-up guy only. So you really need... Cat um, needs space. Cat takes up a lot of space, even though he does play in the perimeter. You want him to be able to operate in the post as well. Not to mention, Steven Adams camping down there is going to just ruin the spacing for Anthony Edwards to get downhill and get to the rim. So I'm not that high on Steven Adams. I understand defensively he is pretty solid, so that way I think it would be fine next to Cat. So I understand the intrigue there. Um, other guys I could think of are just like lower option guys trying to get someone like like uh, now his name is escaping me but um, maybe like Maxi Kleber or like Jermichael Green those types of players where they're like not a guy that's going to play 30 something minutes a night for you so um, I don't know there's a lot of a lot of players that could potentially fit offensively or could fit defensively but it's, it's tough to strike that balance well, while not like taking up the space for Ant because I think Ant is like the most important thing right now and if you're going to sacrifice his driving lanes that's sacrificing his development which could be just you know screwing the timber catastrophic future. yeah it'd be catastrophic I think I think and I think of Horford just just uh, before we move on I think with what you said with Dylan I heard you guys and I know I I was the one who dropped the hint to Dylan a few, week, a few weeks ago about him is I think there are two potential destinations for Rubio. I think, I think if, if Kyle Lowry leaves as a free agent, as we can assume, I think Toronto slash Tampa is a really good option for Rubio. And I think uh, if Indiana, I know, I know Indiana had interest in him prior to he, uh, him signing with Phoenix. So that's something to keep in mind for a Turner, con- a Turner deal. But I feel like a team like Toronto it could be a third team... And OKC could take on Chris Boucher and Culver. And what, and it, it could be a scenario where the Wolves could actually get Horford and a pick. So that's, that's, why, that's why it intrigues me so much. Is It's a player who would actually fit all of the parts, Ant and Cat combined, and would help the team. And it could give you a pick when you don't... when in, as, as of today, we don't think we'll have a first-round pick this year. So that's just one scenario that I'm keeping my eye on for whatever reason. Yeah, I think that's an interesting one. And that was kind of rumored in the during the season, too, around the trade deadline, was Rubio potentially being traded to, like, Toronto and things like that. Um, another person that'd be interesting to see is Chris Boucher, somehow getting Boucher in Minnesota. I think he would fit pretty nicely. I think he provides some spacing, and then defensively, I think he would look decent next to Cat, too. So, But I don't know if, he, if the Timberwolves are going to be able to go out and get someone like him. Um, but they need to find someone. That's kind of what I believe is... The, the only path the Timberwolves have to, and I wrote a whole piece on Kane and Supis, the only path they have to being like a good defense is getting a good defender next to Cat. Um, and I think they have to be at least respectable defensively to really make any noise in the playoffs. The offense is going to be good. I think they're going to be a top 10 offense. They have the talent to do it, but you got to get a guy that can play defense without sacrificing too much of your offense. Um, 
So you got to find that, and it's it's tough to find those guys, and that's why you know if it was easy, every team would have one, but every team doesn't have one because it's not easy to find those guys. No, it's not easy. It's not easy. That's why, and you that's why the teams that are left in the playoffs, most of them are teams that have that. That they're just great defensively. On they have a lot of size and length, and they're able to great. I'm not I'm not even just talking indiv- individual defense. Like you could have a team with one bad defender. But the issue with the Wolves is it's like a chain reaction that you have these teams in the playoffs that are going deep. That, that, and as, as you stated in your article, which I read, which I loved, it's like team, you need great team defense. So the Wolves need to find a way. Maybe, they, maybe they'll have to compensate some of their offense. And there's, there's still going to be a great offense regardless. Just with the pieces they have, Ant and Cat, it just... It it seems it seems inevitable they'll have a good offense, but they just need. To, I agree with you wholeheartedly that they they don't even need to be the an elite offense, but just not be at bottom dwellers of the league. Like if they could, if they were in the bottom five in most defensive categories, if they could, if they could somehow get to league average in the, in the defensive categories, that could catapult them to a play-in team next year. I think. Yeah, for sure. I think the offense is playoff caliber. It's just the defense is like bottom of the league, so you got to find a way to a way to make that better. And getting good defensive players is the way to make a good defense. So, yeah, I agree. Yeah. So obviously, yesterday uh, it was announced Anthony Edwards it was not named Rookie of the Year. Lamelo was. Um, a lot of people. There was a lot of angst amongst the uh, Wolves faithful, but. I, I guess I didn't see I didn't see really the anger from it. I mean, uh, it's just, it's just he had a poor start to the year and he was awesome at the end of the year. But I guess to me it's I don't know I don't know how you feel about rookie of the year as an award. But to me it's 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 getting angry over nothing. I mean, LeBron James didn't win rookie of the year. I think uh, Carmelo Anthony won it that year, and you had a lot of great players. Who just, Anthony Davis didn't win rookie of the year. You just have a lot of guys who didn't win, and I just I feel like. I was way wrong about Ant coming into the draft. I, I was wrong on him. And I think he, he's the building block of the future. I think he's the key to making this team respectful. respectable. So just curious to get your thoughts on Ant and heading, heading into his uh, first offseason as a pro. Yeah, so the Rookie of the Year award doesn't really matter to me. We saw Wiggins win it. It's whatever. Cat won it also. So doesn't really bother me i during the season you know what is always pining for for ant to win it and always trying to build up his case i tried not to take down lamella's case too much for like because i think lamella's a great player and and i actually enjoy watching lamella ball um i think he's like a joy to watch on the court and off the court i think he's good player good person um and he, I think he was deserving of the award, too. I built the case up for Ant based on, you know, his growth in season and playing every game, which only, like, 10 other players in the league outside of Ant played every single game. Um, so that was impressive to me. But, no, it doesn't really bother me whatsoever. I think it's going to, you know, put a little chip on Ant's shoulder, which probably is going to be better than if he won the award. So, overall, I don't really care. In terms of Ant going into this offseason... Um, I'm really excited for him to work on some of the things that he didn't really have a chance to work on um, prior to it with, like, the organization and being able to be around 
the guys he's going to be playing with and being around his coaching staff, learning his system, um, being in the strength and conditioning program for the NBA. Not that he needs to put on more muscle, but um, getting his shooting mechanics like perfect and all that stuff. I think it's just going to be a really important summer for him um, and all the guys too, but I'm really looking forward to seeing what he's got next season because he played like an all-star um, at the end of this past season, and I think he can do that for a full stretch next season, so I'm excited to see that. Yeah, and I think people forget he's only 19. Like He doesn't turn 20 till August, and he, in spite of his size, like he's 6'4", 240, he's built like a tank, and, and he's only 19. So the even the things that he's even the aspects of his game that he's not quite strong yet at he you just have to just based on his work ethic and his demeanor that we've been able to see see from him this season you just have to assume that assuming that the organization and the coaching staff uh, helps him along that he can only get better from here i mean he's he if he can get he he's already elite at driving to the basket i think the next step for him is on is on on two on two prongs, he's he needs he still needs to work on his uh, outside shooting, which I think, I think is not not as difficult as not as difficult as it seems just based on his form. I feel like he just needs to take more uh, take more attempts, and then, but I I really do think that he based on his uh, his youth, just based on what we've seen from him this year, that if if he if he keeps getting into the lab, he's only going to get better. Yeah, and I think his jump shot even got better throughout the season. I think he looked a lot better at the end of the season, mechanics-wise, than he did at the beginning of the year. So I'm not really worried about that part of it. Um, not really worried about a lot, to be honest. The thing I worry about most is defensively. I just hope that he can harness that that athleticism he has and turn into being a positive on the defensive side of the ball because that would mean you know, a ton for the Timberwolves, too. But I'm excited for him. That's all I can say is just I'm super excited for Ant to be – a Timberwolf next year, um, and just see what he can do. I am too. I am too. I think, I think having Ant actually makes me not as not as nervous about Tuesday nights as most most Timberwolves fans and observers like ourselves normally would. That twenty seven percent chance of keeping the pick, seventy three seventy two percent chance, seventy two point five percent chance of surrendering it to Golden State. We'll find out Tuesday night, of course, but. Just having Ant and having Jaden, I feel like it was a home run draft. That I feel like, no matter what happens Tuesday nights, it's like it's okay. I feel like if if there's any other scenario, uh, and we've had a lot of we've had a lot of downtrodden, uh, dull, uh, dull, sad points in this franchise where you could you could be sad about losing the lottery pick, but I feel like just a scenario we're in with Ant and Jaden that. I th- and also, I think Bomaro, assuming he comes over, that I feel like Tuesday night it's 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 just gravy. It's like if if you get if you get the top three pick and you land a a Suggs or a Mobley or even a Cade, then it's just it's just a cherry on top. And if you lose the pick, who cares? Do you think what 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 do you think on that? Well, I think the thing to remember is you're losing a pick either this year or next year, regardless. So you're gonna be losing a first round pick. This isn't a trade where the pick turns into a couple seconds down the road or anything like that so obviously this draft class the top of it is pretty strong um and the Timberwolves only are keeping this one if it's top three and then next year you're hoping the Timberwolves are good and that pick is like late lottery to not even in the lottery but 
Um, yeah, I I just am excited to get some clarity on it, just to have it be over with. It's uh, Tuesday night. We're gonna figure out either the Wolves are losing the twenty twenty one pick or the twenty twenty two pick. That and then it's over. That trade is done, and we don't have to worry about it. You know, we can move forward. Um, so I I'm not too worried about it. But um, I get I get why people want it. It would be huge for the team if they got the top three pick. It would be massive. Um, that's like you could use that to trade for a star player, or you could just select someone and then have like this another up and coming rookie that potentially could be even better than Ant. So I get why people want it. But at the end of the day, I just want clarity and I just want it all to be said and done with. I think we're in the same boat. I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to keeping the pick this year, but. It's like, to me, it's like, I just want to get it over with. Just get it over with, lose the pick, and honestly, truly, in this draft, outside of the top three or four, the, from, my, just from, from my research and just my, my basketball junkie, uh, be, me being a basketball junkie, it's not a deep, a deep draft as the last couple. So I just feel if you're losing the fifth, sixth, or seventh pick, it's, not, it's really just, you should, you should just sh- a shrug. But I... Uh, I I I wouldn't I wouldn't say that if we got the top three pick I wouldn't I wouldn't want it, but I agree with you wholeheartedly. They just let's just get it over with, move on, build this team, build this franchise with Ants and Jaden what we have, and I th- hopefully uh, better days are far are not too far ahead. Yeah, for sure. I think better days are one hundred percent ahead for the Timberwolves team. Um, they're not gonna be as bad as this past year. The only thing that could happen is, like, injuries could derail, derail a season, but other than that, I think they're gonna, they're heading in the right direction, for sure. Yeah, and and this team, this the, the starting, the projected starting five, they, uh, they were never healthy. They almost never played together. That's, uh, because right. whenever, when Cat was out the, for 25 games, then when he came back and he played with Ant, then D'Lo got hurt, and Beasley was suspended, and then he was hurt. So we never really, other than the first two games, and even in those first two games, Ant wasn't a starter yet. Like we've never really seen this whole court together. Now, we can, it's it's debatable if we'll what, what if we if we ever will maybe they trade Beasley for a better player. But it's just exciting to get it based on the last ten fifteen games what we saw from Cat D'Lo and Ant together. I and. And Jaden uh, coming on strong, I do agree with you. I think this this team is good. I really in a perfect in, in the best scenario, I think this team will be a, t- a top ten team in the West next year. I, in spite of how daunting the West sounds with all those uh, stacked teams, I I would be I would be uh, just very disappointed if they were not in the play in next year. I agree. I think if they're not in the play in something big has to change um, because they have way too much talent for that you know if they have relatively good health if they have really bad health and you know cat goes down for half the season and they miss the play-in that's more so understandable that would suck but um yeah I totally agree with you there yeah and I was I was talking to other people it's like next next year for the wolves it really reminds me about the suns last year not not this year. Don't get no. I don't want anyone to misquote me. But when they when they were in the bubble, I feel like the Timberwolves this coming year they'll be like the Suns in the bubble, a team that's on the rise that no one sees coming, that just uh, blitzes everybody, 
and makes a surprise run. I think that's what the Wolves' season next year should be like. Yeah, and I don't know if they'll, like you said, I don't know if they'll get up to like the number one seed or number two seed whole aspect of it, like the Sunset this year, but like being a solid playoff team, that's very possible if everything like falls into place the right way, if they can make a trade to get a four or sign a four or whatever. Um, Leandro Balmero comes over and they and he just falls out as a rookie and things like that. I think they could surprise a lot of people. Um, but a, a lot of it's going to come down to how good they can be defensively. So I'm really interested to see what, what that turns out like. I am too. It'll be a very fascinating offseason. I mean, as, as we know from the last 36 hours, the NBA never sleeps. So it'll be very interesting and fascinating to see what happens with our, with our beloved Timberwolves this offseason. Uh, Brendan, as thanks as always for your support and thanks for coming on and we'll have to have you on again. I appreciate it, Amir. Thanks for having me. No problem. Anytime. All right, guys. I want to thank Brendan again for joining me. It was great having you on. He's an elite basketball mind. You can go follow Brendan on com. You can listen to his subscribe to his podcast. Believe uh, Timberwolves. Uh, thank Brendan again. Uh, it's been fun, guys. Assalamu alaikum. Hope you have a nice evening. Take care. We'll talk to you guys soon.